Hey friends, Mark James. Today is Monday. Monday, Monday. I'm in my favourite place to record the podcast. Let's all say it together. Joshua's room in the um, tilty back chair. What do you call that? Recliner. Thank you. The re, uh, <laughs> I said thank you then, is if I didn't work it out myself. The recliner chair, I'm sitting in that. I've got the heating on because it's a little chilly outside. I've been out in the rain this morning. More on that in a second. And uh, Joshua's room is the one that heats up the quickest, I think, because the living room is quite big and the radiator is behind the sofa. So there's only the directly upwards channel, you know, for the heat to get out. I'm sure the back of the sofa is lovely and warm, but it's only directly above the sofa, uh, behind the sofa, that it the heat rises up directly. So there's that. Then there's the kitchen, which is massive. There's one big, long radiator in it against one wall, but it doesn't really heat up that well. The bathroom could get warm, I suppose, but uh, who the fuck wants to sit in the bathroom? <laughs> also, if I recorded the podcast in there, it'd be very echoey. Then you've got the stairs. It's just a total no-go. Then you've got the office. Now, the office, the, the inside the house office, not the studio outside, the inside the house office, has the radiators and everything purposefully turned off so that it never gets hot in there because all of the playing cards and props and other things, coffee and stuff that's going to be so... Well, there's no coffee in there, but that's where the coffee will be. But all the playing cards and things are in there. And the last thing that all those playing cards need is to be getting hot and then cold and hot and then cold. So that room, the heating is turned off permanently. And then there's the bedroom, Sarah and I's bedroom. I hate waking up in a boiling hot bedroom. I want the warmth of being under the covers and the cold of outside of the room to be, you know, all right, but not unmanageable. When it's too hot, if the radiator comes on in the bedroom and you're still asleep, I find that you just wake up feeling shitty. You know, you sort of bung up. Your throat gets closed up. Your nose gets bunged. Everything. It's just horrible. And you wake up feeling terrible. So, and that's without Sarah straightening her hair and the fumes that come off the hair straighteners. <laughs> Although what I will say is Sarah is a treasure and she constantly says to me, I'll just get ready downstairs. Why don't I just do my hair downstairs? Well, I'll just go. But I don't like that because she's got a whole dressing table with a nice mirror and all of her getting ready things are there. And we've even put like little hooks up and stuff so that she can hang the straighteners and plug them in easily under this little secret hidden plug under the desk and all that stuff. So if we're going to go to all that effort, she shouldn't get ready downstairs. I mean, I want her to be able to sit at her own dressing table and get ready, even if it marginally inconveniences me, which it is only marginal, although I make a big fuss out of it because you've got to moan about something, right? Um, even if it only marginally convenience, inconveniences me, I'd rather she got ready in the bedroom. However, hair straighteners and all that aside, the uh, they make a clipping sound as well. You know, every time you clamp them together on your hair, clip, 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 clip. It's all that noise, but I don't mind because I get up so early now. Anyway, I'm always up by seven, so it makes no difference. So anyway, the heating can't be on in the bedroom either. Sometimes it's on a little bit, but otherwise I don't like it. However, in Joshua's room, his radiator is on, it's on full, and he's got a big massive window that it's in front of, but also his radiator is entirely uncovered. So his radiator does not have to be on too big, too too high, turned on too high, in order to thoroughly heat the room without getting overly hot. So, the best room in the house for environmental conditions, if you want a nice bit of warmth, is Joshua's room. If you want to sit 
and kick back in a nice reclining chair, the best room in the house is Joshua's room. It's just the best room in the house. I love this room. It really is the best. I know I've communicated that before, but not necessarily in such excruciating detail. I mean, at the minute, I've been recording for nearly four and a half minutes. And the only thing I've talked about is which room in the house the radiator is on in. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder why anybody listens to this shit, but I'm glad that you do. Anyway, I've got coffee, so let me have a quick sip. Mm. I took Joshua to school this morning. We walked and it started to rain a little bit on the way. And he was, I could tell he was thinking, are we going back? Are we going, going to go and get in the car? But I felt like it was going to stop. And it did. So I dropped him off dry. And then I walked and it rained. And then it stopped. Then it rained. Then it stopped. And it rained and stopped. Eventually, I sat in the doorway of a tattoo place. It wasn't open. It's closed for, you know, whatever reasons. But I sat in their doorway because they had a high windowsill that you could sit on. I sat there and I stayed out of the rain and I listened to Sarah Borelli's album and I listened to the song Saint Honesty, which is my favourite song on that album. And um, it was raining and there's a bit where she sings about the rain and I sort of recorded it. It's on my Instagram. Go and look at my Insta story on Curious Monkey and put the sound on and you'll see exactly what I mean. And town was very rainy. So that was all right. Anyway, I'm sitting in the house now and I'm actually going to stay in Joshua's room for most of the afternoon, I think, because I've got loads of work to do. And if I sit in the living room, I'll put the TV on. I'll end up watching season two of Fargo or someone will message and say, do you want to play Call of Duty or something will happen and I'll get put off. But I've got some work that absolutely inexcusably needs to be completed today and there is nothing that I'm waiting for that will stop me from completing this work and it's basically finishing all of the music for this new show and I need to get that done including voiceover recordings which my friend Taylor and I think are going to do tomorrow or later today tonight um, it's finishing those and it needs to be done by Wednesday I reckon because I need to send them all to Alex so that he can get used to them. He's got all the tracks and he knows the lengths and stuff, but I'd rather he had the actual finished things, you know, ahead of time for Sunday so that he could, uh, Saturday, so that he can run the whole show if he wants to. So that's where I'm at at the minute. That's the job for today. I've got to go and get Joshua in a bit, but that's the main job today. Everything else is done. The whole show is basically set up. I've decided that to take the pressure off myself for the first weekend's worth of shows, I'm going to do the chop cup on the main, on the big table, but I'm going to do the chop cup instead of cups and balls because they've got the same aesthetic and everything. It just means I don't have to worry about rehearsing cups and balls uh, ahead of that day because there's so many other jobs I need doing on my behalf and I'm still doing my other show. So there's only one. Is there one? Let me just have a little look. I think there might be two weekends in a row. Yeah, there is. There's this weekend... There's a weekend after, and then I've got a week off. So I'm going to do two weekends, probably with uh, Chop Cup, and then it'll go to Cups and Balls after that. That's the plan, for my part, because you just can't believe how many jobs need doing. But there you go. So, my friend Andy, Andy Gladwin, who many people will know from uh, Magic, he's a magician and a content producer via his Magic Company, uh, told me about something which I think might change my life a little bit. You've probably all heard of, have you all heard of the phrase Occam's Razor? Occam's Razor is basically a thought 
uh, not a thought experiment. It's a it's a thought process that you can apply to help you work out what the best of many hypotheses are. So if you've got lots of different ways that you think a certain thing is done, what you should do is use Occam's razor. And that means you eliminate the hypotheses with the most amount of assumptions, leaving you with the one with the fewest amount of assumptions, because that one is the one that is most likely to be correct. That's Occam's razor. You've probably, um, you've probably heard it simplified as, you know, the simplest answer is usually the right answer. That's kind of the way that people usually phrase it. But there are the details behind it's called Occam's razor. Now, of course, I'd heard of Occam's razor many times. It's a common, you know, topic and thing and all of that. But Andy told me about a thing called Hanlon's Razor, and it's named after a guy called Robert Hanlon, who submitted it as a joke in a magazine. But it, it kind of goes back. I mean, Winston Churchill is attributed to saying it. People before that are attributed. I mean, there's a bit of a thing, isn't there? If you can't work out who said something, just say Winston Churchill said it and you'll be all right. That seems to be a very British thing to do. But it's also attributed to other American army generals and all sorts of different people. But it's called Hanlon's Razor. And Hanlon's Razor says, never attribute to malice what can be equally explained by stupidity. So a good example of that would be someone cutting you up in traffic. You might think that that person has aggressively done that to try and piss you off. But it is more likely that they're just a terrible driver. They weren't paying attention and they didn't even know that you were there. Therefore, rather than thinking that they were malicious, what they were was stupid. And when you use Hanlon's razor and you attribute things to stupidity rather than malice, then you are less likely to get aggressive or annoyed about the perpetrator yourself. So, and there's all of the other versions of Hanlon's razor that that are earlier than than the, the current one say things like, you know, it's written in law books, you are attributing to uh, the devil what can easily, easily be uh, explained by the person's idiocy or whatever. You know, they're all thoughts on a similar theme. But that's the phrase, never attribute to malice what can be equally explained by stupidity. So often people aren't trying to be dicks, they're just stupid. (laughs) And I was moaning about something to Andy um, that was annoying me and saying, I wonder if that person has done that purposefully to annoy me. And he said, well, it's Hanlon's razor, isn't it? And I said, what's that? And he explained and I thought, ah, that will probably get me through a lot of situations in life. It's funny, you know, I'd, I'd thought of that process before and I'd had it explained to me by someone else, but about a different thing. And I've even said it in lectures When you've got somebody on stage, which can you remember that? Do you remember when you used to be able to get people on stage? <laughs> but anyway, um, when you've got somebody on stage and they're being a difficult volunteer, rather than assuming that they're doing it to try and mess up your show, you should just assume that they're actually doing it because they're in an uncomfortable, terrifying, and unexpected situation. And we all act out of sorts when we find ourselves in uncomfortable, unexpected, and terrifying situations. You know, here's someone who's just gone on holiday, vacation, or they're on a night out, or they've gone to the comedy club, or whatever. 
they're enjoying the show. I mean, that's the penalty, isn't it, for enjoying the show? When we select volunteers, we never choose somebody miserable because what's the point in that? You choose someone who looks like they're having a brilliant time. So they're having a great time. They're in a great mood. And the penalty for that is that you pull them up on stage and make them do something that is often deliberately designed to be confusing for them in order to make it funny for the audience. And, you know, they're kind of playing the 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 unauditioned fool i guess they don't know what's about to happen and there they are you know the foil they're your comedy double act partner all of a sudden and they didn't want or expect it now in that scenario quite often people act out they try to get a laugh themselves to establish some control they ask more questions than perhaps they you feel necessary because they don't understand and maybe they're trying to be genuinely helpful sometimes you say to somebody think of one of these cards and if they assume the truth that you present to them which is that it is a full deck and all the cards are different but they don't see a card because they're confused but something in their brain tells them oh well i know the names of all of the playing cards and they're all there so i'll just think of any card and then I'll say that one. But in doing that, they may have rumbled the ruse of how the trick works, or they may have, you know, circumvented whatever methods you're using. Sorry if this is confusing for people who aren't magicians, but we all know that there is a trick where you can take a genuinely full deck of cards where they really are all different and ask somebody to think of one as you push them past their face. And then you can very easily get that card into a place where you want it to be. And that trick only works if they genuinely do look at the cards. If they do just think of any one, then you're in trouble, basically. And sometimes they might do that to try and be helpful. They don't want to be difficult and they don't want to embarrassingly have to say, I'm sorry, I didn't see one. I'm too scared and I'm on stage and I didn't expect this. They just say, yeah, I got one. And they think of seven, the seven of hearts or whatever. And so... Quite often people in a lot of circumstances like that, they are trying to help or they don't know what's going on and they're scared. And that can come across as being a difficult volunteer and an insecure performer who's desperate to maintain all semblance of control can at times back that person further into a corner, make the situation worse, try to maintain control by getting laughs at their expense, all of those things, and end up making things way worse than they would have been in the beginning. And I've thought and talked about that concept a load of times with regards to being on stage, but I've never thought about or applied that concept to my normal day-to-day life. And if I did, it would be called Hanlon's Razor. And I'm going to do it from now on because I think it will make me a better person. (laughs) Sarah's probably listening to this on the way home from work thinking, you a better person. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'll still moan, won't I? It's my favourite thing to do. Right, that's today's pod. I'm going to get on with some work. Joshua's terranium looks very healthy. His little uh, marigold seeds are sprouting up lovely. Nice. Oh, well, I'm going to finish this coffee. A bit of uh, ASMR for you there, listen. That was either pleasant or horrible. I'm not going to listen back to find out. But... I'll speak to you tomorrow, friends. Tomorrow will be Tuesday. I've got four more gigs to go this... uh, Four? Four more gigs to go this week. It's going to be a wild one. (laughs) Speak to you tomorrow. Bye, the friends.